0: Do, 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 That's the Jurassic Park song. This is Nubs. I'm Chubbs. I'm Nova. We, we, we talk movies. This is movie talking. For sure.
1: Um, so last time we talked about, we gave a brief teaser of what we were going to talk about, and we were going to talk about endings, mm-hmm. endings to movies, and then you gave me podcast homework. I
0: did. And I, I watched, I did see Promising Young Woman. So what did, so other than the ending, which I mean, we can talk about the ending, spoiler alert for this movie, spoiler alert for all of this. Oh Promising yeah, yeah, Young we Woman. should, we should start that off. This is going to be like a spoiler-laden
1: episode. Because we're talking about endings, and you can't really talk about
0: endings without talking about spoilers. Yeah. So, uh, other than the ending, which we'll transition into, what did you think of the film? I loved it. I thought it was really good.
1: Um, It was kind of... It was so, like... It looked so beautiful. And, like, the... I, I saw, like... A lot of complaints about the dialogue, but I really, really liked the dialogue. It was very... It wasn't, like, depressing, but it was, like, melancholic and also really
0: funny. It felt like... Every line felt like something Aubrey Plaza from... Yes. uh, uh, Parks and Rec would say. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: And, like, you know, we've got an appearance of Bo Burnham... And he kind of embodies his character so well because that's kind of what his comedy is—is is like being self-deprecating and 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 like comedic at the same time. It's, yeah, his his deliveries in this are fucking oh, it's perfect. perfect, and it's it's just an amazingly written film. I thought it was so well written, like everything about. I mean, of course, we're gonna get to the end, but everything about it, like the dialogue, I thought was so well executed and planned out and all the actor's delivery of it was great. I I thought it was
0: like I'd agree it wasn't probably like when did it come out 2020? Yeah, I think 2021. Let me check cuz I have some I'm going to pull it up cuz I have some thoughts about the director too. Yeah, cuz it wasn't you know the best film of the year. It was really good though. Like I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, Capro came out April 20th, or April 16th, 2020. Okay. And it is up right now for the 2021 Oscars for Best Picture. Best Picture. And I believe, let me see what else, let me see what else it might be up for. It's, yeah, Best Motion Picture. It won Best Actress. And it's up for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actress at the 93rd Academy Awards. Excuse me. Okay, so what like, besides the ending, what what did you think? So I thought the film moment? was good, and I thought it was powerful. And I want to talk a little bit about the director. Okay. Um, her name is Emerald Fennel. She is an actress. She's in, you might know her from Call the Midwife. She's oh, also okay. in The Crown. Um, she's also in smaller, she has smaller roles. Um, she's always done period pieces. She's in uh, Anna Karina and The Danish Girl. Interesting. Yes, she has typically just been an actress who writes it. She's like, um, oh my god, I can't play a blank on his name. What's the guy's name from the end of Blade Runner? Uh, like Tears in the Rain.
1: Oh, oh my god.
0: Oh my god, that the ca- blonde guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I can't believe it. he's one of my favorite actors of all time. So he, when he takes a role, he makes a thing. Ed Norton does this sometimes too. He writes his own lines. Like okay. they tell him what the part is and what like story beats they have to hit, and then he. Writes his own lines. Both Ed Norton and um, this guy, this this guy, the guy from Blade Runner, the evil android, the the android guy. Um, spoiler spoiler alert! Evil android. And he's Blade He's evil Runner. android. Well, yeah. the spoiler is that he's not evil. Anyway, it's true. Gonna, all right. So anyways, <laughs> she does that. She writes her own lines and everything like that. So it makes sense that she would write um, a really dialogue focused film. Yeah, I thought it was very very good. It might be the best picture of 2020. It might be. Um, I think other than the trial of the Chicago Seven, which I've only seen once. I've never seen that um, actually. I've seen every every film up for Best Picture. Um, That's the Aaron Sorkin.
1: Yeah, movie. Netflix film. Yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, other than that, I've seen everything at least twice now, and I think it might be the best picture. Jesus. Except for the ending. Um, but there's a lot. So here's, I'm gonna give you the for anyone listening. Here's the pitch. So it's a lady. Her friend is raped in college. She's like, I I don't know if she's gang raped or she's just regular like single one well, it's, it's Yeah, it's a very traumatic. Yeah like, sexual assault, that there's
1: a lot of people involved. Yeah, like even there's, if they're but not, there's,
0: there's a lot of people standing by. Yeah. And it's recorded on a, on a video camera. Yeah. Even if it's not, like, they're not
1: explicitly involved, it's almost, like, guilty by association. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 a lot of the people. And then there's a lot of stuff with with the people she meets that she thinks right. Anyway, there's there's a lot of spoilery stuff, um, which we can get into, but I don't think it's super relevant other than the ending. Um, so she goes around at night... Acts drunk, totally sober, but she acts drunk. Have guys take her home, try to take advantage of her, and then she's like, "Bang, I'm sober, gotcha, yeah. motherfucker!" And then yeah. she leaves to try and teach him a lesson. Yeah, Fogel from Superbad is taught a lesson. Yes, in this movie. Yeah, it has a hell of a. Good, it has Bo it Burnham. Um, I, <laughs> I forget. It has really three good. other guys. I can't remember their names. Um, uh, it's got Bash from. Um, glow on Netflix. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of really good people in it. It's got Schmidt from New Girl. But uh it's good and I like the premise of it. I think it was a little I think it was a little weak that she didn't do anything to these guys. I suppose. Yeah. I was always
1: I mean when I first when the first like scene happened yeah. and she took like I was fully expecting her to murder this guy. Yeah, me too. I <laughs> thought she was going to kill this guy. Yeah. I was like fully expecting a knife to come out and just like stab him or something
0: so the end of the film um a lot of people get their comeuppance I thought she was before we even talk about the ending like properly I thought she was going to uh, she we can just I'm going to explain the ending just very briefly so she goes to she finally finds the people the the guy who raped her friend in college uh, who ended up killing herself to, to, from the trauma of the experience yeah. Um, she goes to dress up as a stripper because he's getting married. She goes to carve her friend's name into his chest, and she gets murdered.
1: May may I also add to one of the best covers of Toxic by Britney Spears I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah. It's
0: super good. It's amazing. uh, That alone is probably one of the best. Oh, yeah. uh, It's like uh, Florence and the Machine did a cover of Stand by me for Final Fantasy XV, and the game was okay, yes, but like right. the song was like co- constantly right. <laughs> played on a loop, in that and it made the whole game worth it.
1: Um, but yeah, but
0: but yeah. So toxic is in the in the film a lot. And it's good too. But she she goes. So she gets murdered. The guy finally uh, gets the upper hand. He suffocates her to death. She she dies. And then him and his best man hide the body. And they he goes to get married. And she thinks she he thinks he's gotten away with it. And she had given a camera with the evidence um, of the rape to an attorney who had like lost his mind, and then he gives it to the authorities, and then they go to arrest a bunch of people that, were, that witnessed the rape um, and the assault, presumably, and then they find her body, and then they also arrest the murderer and the best man for, for murdering and hiding a body. So I thought she was going to have on the camera... I have two thoughts on this. Okay. One, which I think would have been the better ending, would have been if she had died... And that was it. Because the point of the movie is, this guy raped somebody and got away with it. And now she spends her night being Batman, going out at night, and doing this to other people. It, like, get this got-you shit to other people. But she ends up getting, this guy ends up, ends up getting his comeuppance, which is good and just and, and a nice ending. I mean, it's a little sad because she dies, but... I would have thought it would have had a much more impactful moment of being like, not only did this girl have her friend get raped and murdered, she was murdered herself and this guy just got away with it because that is just how life is right now for a lot of people. And I yeah. thought that would have been ballsy as shit.
1: I suppose it would have been like one of the more contemplative ways to end a film like that. Like
0: just pitch black, she she just disappears. And she, Bo Burns, this is the big story. She dates Bo Burnham. He, yeah. She falls in love with him. It's the first guy she's fallen in love with for many years. And then it turns out he was there the night her friend was raped. And he's Ugh. like on camera. And he's like, oh my god, this crazy shit, what? And she's like, this guy fucking watched this happen to my friend and didn't do anything. Yeah, and oh my, personally, I'm just
1: such a huge Bo Burnham fan. It just sucked seeing Bo Burnham's character absolutely destroyed like that. Yeah, like just for me.
0: And then when she confronts him, it's like super uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very, very. Uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: and I, I just, I was like, oh my god, she was finally so happy. Um, I, I thought that's where you would say the ending started to get shitty.
0: No, I liked that. I think. Fi- okay. I thought he was the camera guy, and then. Okay. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend thought that he was there as well. She thought he was it, but the entire time I was convinced that he was the camera guy. He very well could have been both yeah party that's right so. you can hear you can hear him on the video um so he is at least there i thought the other ending that would have been better still would have been a darker ending than it was is if she had given that video camera to the authorities they don't they don't find her body that guy doesn't get arrested but if she had been using a camera to like find the like the people she had been like finding at night and that had been trying to like take advantage of her when she thought she was drunk when they thought she was drunk and being like just posting it online. Cause you obviously can't arrest anybody. Yeah. Cause I thought that also would have been a very prep be like, look, here's a video of my friend being raped. I've disappeared and the cops still don't do anything, but she's still able to put out in the public eye all these horrific things for these people. Mm-hmm. Like their lives are ruined. They don't go to jail, but like there it's out there that they like, you know, 50 to a hundred or however many it's presumed actually at some point when her journal, like a few hundred men that she's done this to. Yeah. That they're out there now in the public eye taking advantage of a drunk woman and their lives are ruined. Yeah. But those guys don't have any come up and she's doing that and just scaring these guys. And then that's Yeah, that's it.
1: she's kind of just doing it in the hopes that they'll stop because they they think or assume that there's people out there like her yeah doing this. Yeah it's and it, it's interesting that she didn't really give them any retribution or give them any punishment for what they did besides hey don't do this i just fucked your night up and made you feel yeah. uncomfortable. Um I don't know. I I'm not even sure personally if she had to like die at all for it to be a good ending.
0: No, I you agree. Know? I don't even no. think she had to die. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like it just it seemed kind of like a very hopeless ending. Like, even if she gets her revenge, she's still, like, fucking dead.
0: Yeah. Like, it still sucks. In, like, a really brutal way. Yeah. Like, it it shows her being suffocated. It's with so pillow. uncomfortable. It takes, like, two, three full minutes. It's so fucking uncomfortable. So, and her arms just, like, flopping. The dude is crying, and he's like, You're making me do this. And it's super uncomfortable. It's like, Bro, just get off. I think she gets the point. Like, I think... Uh, God, I can't remember their names now. The two directors who did Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah? They When they direct films, they do it to make you anxious. Like, everything about the, the soundtrack, to the way the camera is, to the lighting, everything is designed to make you anxious. Um, this unintentionally, or rather obviously intentionally, but I think unintentionally has more anxiety-driven Honestly. moments in it than anything in Uncut Gems, which I, is a fine film,
1: too. I never saw Uncut Gems. I... I- it never really interested me,
0: honestly. Is it like? Would you recommend Uncut Gems? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna transition. We can continue to talk about Promising Woman, Promising Young Woman. But I wanna do you, th- wa- you want to finish
1: Promising Young Woman before we talk about Uncut well, Gems? Then
0: no, no, no. I want to talk about just endings. I won't spoil okay. anything for Uncut Gems. But let's transition into the first question about endings that alter or ruin a movie. Yeah. Um or or just just come off as strange. And I, I'll 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 start if I might with uncut gems. It it's like a solid. It's like Mad Men in that it's a lot of talking and a lot of walking around New York City. Okay. But there is no like major action. I mean, there's some stuff um, with uh, Kevin Garnett and stuff like that. He wants this this uncut gem and everything. He thinks it's magic. Not not a whole lot happens. Like I said. It's, Like a Mad Men episode, there's a lot of stuff talking and walking around office buildings. But the end has like this super explosive like holy shit moment. And it's not bad and it's very symbolic and it's this really nice metaphor that ties the whole film together. But not... It doesn't really exist in the rest of the film. It just kind of like happens. Okay, And you're like this... If the whole movie was like this, it would have been a different movie, but the ending feels a little out of place for what has happened in the previous like two hours of the film, um, which I guess is a little bit how I felt about Promising a Woman too. was that I was like, she is murdered, and now there's this huge swarm of cops, and they have to come get her, and they have to come get um, the her murder, and they her body, and all the people that were involved in it, and Presumably, even Bell Burnham is arrested. It's, I think, it's alluded to that he's he's also kind of taken out there at the end. Yeah, but like the whole first two two and a half hours of the movie is her being like, the cops didn't do anything when my friend was raped. None of our friends did anything when our friend was raped. None of the school the school didn't, didn't yeah. do anything. And like suddenly, now everyone gives this like super massive shit about it, and it's like, well, I mean, I get it, but like you're kind of undercutting. What happened to your friend in that you're even... Her friend was very popular, and she's very unpopular. So why would anyone even care more now? It's It felt really weird and out of place for how the first two hours of the movie were. It's a good ending. Yeah. It just stops the movie from being like a literal 10 out of 10. Like, this thing was a solid 9 till the last 5 minutes, which is how Uncut Gem is. But you, you talk now about endings. About endings?
1: Well... I, you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about about Knives Out, I remember that, which I did watch a couple days ago, for the first time, it was the first time I'd ever seen it, I would always, people had always told me to watch it, and it was one of those things where I just never did, um, but I finally got around to watching it, I really enjoyed it, it's, as far as, is this one where you think that the ending is like it was in Promising Young Woman
0: for Knives Out? No, I have a massive problem with the ending of knives out okay you have a what, what's your problem with with knives out so spoiler alert for knives out it's with the whole movie but it's specifically in the end Daniel Daniel Craig first off um, is Indiana Jones in that if he did not exist the whole movie would have played out exactly as it would have really yeah because she was supposed to the late the lady was supposed to get the inheritance that was in her will That was okay. in his will Okay. And in the end of the film, she gets the inheritance and the family's cut out. hmm And if he didn't exist, that would have happened anyways. That was happening before he got there. He was there, like he said, as like... So he, somebody paid him money to, to show up. So if he didn't exist, the whole movie would have played out exactly the same, except for Chris Evans would not have been... Arrested. Arrested. Yeah. But he was cut out of the will anyway, so how much of a threat would he be, honestly have posed? Yeah. Two... Entire time I thought the old guy was alive. I in did this, too. I thought it was dead because he was. He he says some line earlier on in the film about being like my family's so foolish they couldn't even tell if a knife was fake or not. And then he he cuts his throat, is the, in the beginning of the film, and kills himself. And I was like, clearly this is a fake knife. Why else would he have that line? But it leads into Chris Evans tries to stab a woman. Yeah, and I think.
1: Guess that's what the line was kind of for. But
0: I was like. The entire time, they're like, did this guy kill himself or was he poisoned? Did this guy kill himself or was he poisoned? And his entire family and a wait staff. So there's, let's say, conservatively, at least 20 people in this house. Yeah. <clears throat> if he wanted to convince himself, if he wanted to convince anyone that he killed himself, why would he not kill himself in front of one of the 20 people in the house? And that way his son, his nieces, his nephews, his grandchildren, the wait staff There's 20 people in this guy's mansion. It's a big mansion, but it ain't that big. He could very quickly be like, quick, son, come down the hole. And then like two or three people are down there. And then he kills himself. And even if one of them is trying to course his way out of it, I don't understand why he didn't kill himself in front of people. And honestly, I think what you're saying would have made it
1: a little more interesting of a film than it is at face value.
0: Not to say, here's my thing. I'll say this quickly. Ryan Johnson is not the greatest screenwriter of all time. No, no, of course. Not. He is a very good screenwriter. Yeah. And if you don't like Star Wars The Last Jedi, that's fine. That's your business. That's your prerogative. Maybe it's a bad Star Wars movie. Maybe it's a regular bad movie. Or maybe it's just a movie and you have to move on with your lives. And maybe that's the problem <laughs> with Knives Out is that I just need to move on from this problem. It's true. It's true. But from an analytical standpoint, everything that happened in The Last Jedi was in canon and nothing broke lore. I don't care what anybody says. I'm a Star Wars fan since I was like three years old. Shit. Nothing in that movie broke lore. Fight me. Knives Out has a glaring problem. The yeah. Daniel Craig's the main character. He doesn't need to exist. Is he the main character? I, I think he's the Cause main character. Because it feels like... I think he's the Hercule Poirot of this series. Mm. the Knives Out is getting at least three more sequels on Netflix. Is it actually? Yep, and he's the he's the character that's going to tie all of them together. It's going to be him doing cases in the South. That's interesting. I yeah, they paid like four hundred fifty million dollars for the a, rights to this. It's a very
1: very complicated film, and it's almost like too complicated. It, it, I mean, it's obvious that, and it's a really really it's a really good movie. It's just obvious that. I mean, it's obvious that someone that Ryan Johnson spent a lot of time trying to work out all these details, and it's one of those stories where if if you try and put like the pieces together as like a writer your some things will like slip through your fingers um so it's it just has like a a who done it it has a lot a lot of plot holes, yeah for sure like. What you said about like the suicide and there's just a lot of random like, like all the motives that are introduced mm-hmm. don't even matter. No, because it it it's an interesting whodunit because it it kind of already shows you who did it. Yeah, where, where you have the the immigrant, um, I'm blanking on her name, the Ecuadorian woman. Let's find out who. Yeah, yeah, we should find out who's obviously like had a part to play in the murder and and honestly in a way she did kind of convince him to commit suicide
0: yeah that is that is true <laughs> like
1: she it, it was it was an accident of course Marta like, it, Marta a- yeah actress's but, name is Anna De Armas Marta it cuz you figure out um it's like you know who who did it but you don't because in the very, very end, there's, like, the big, like, you know, like you said, Hercule Poirot Pro moment where he gets everyone in the room and he's, like, explaining and it's showing, like, it, it's very, like, it's an homage film almost. Like, it's definitely an homage film and, a, and like, a nod to, like, classic whodunits
0: for sure. It is definitely an homage to classic whodunits, but I think you are also right in that there's so much side shit going on. Yeah, it could just be called subterfuge, the movie, and it <laughs> wouldn't be completely inaccurate. Yeah, because there's the affair
1: subplot, and that that really doesn't have anything to do. It's really only
0: there so you thinks
1: that this guy. Yeah, you might think Don Johnson
0: did it because he's yeah. sleeping with someone. Yeah, there's the that, school thing, the tuition um uh, Chris Evans thing with there's the other son with like the publishing arm Yeah and then there's some people who are just so weird that you almost just
1: expect them to have, have had a part in it like there's the Nazi kid and then the very like socialist liberal student who is almost like too innocent yeah. to the point where you're like you probably had something to do with this
0: the uh the maid who who you think did it there for a while um Yeah for sure God, I can't think of her name now. She's a long face. She's a really good uh, comedic actress, though.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good film. It's just you can definitely pick it apart if you think about it too much.
0: Yeah, and, that's and, that's my problem with it, yeah. is that he I think he thinks he's Christopher Nolan. And he's very ta- I like Ryan Johnson. I like he did Looper too, which is like one of my all time favorites. And I lines. never saw that. I need to see that. It has one of my favorite lines of any movie ever in it. They're uh, it's a time travel movie where a guy is sent back to kill himself to close the loop. It's, he's a hitman, and he has to like close the loop. Um, and they're sitting in a restaurant, and he's like, I, if I, so if I poke myself in the arm, you poked yourself in the arm, but because I'm you in the past, but you didn't poke yourself in the past, would you experience it? And Bruce Willis just says, look, if you want to start talking about timelines and shit, we're going to spend eight hours here with straw diagrams all over this table. <laughs> Just accept the fact that I'm you from the future. And that's it. And that's so... It's such a great line of dialogue because he's like, look, if you're going to start poking holes in this thing, you're going to unravel the whole goddamn plot. But he has that in Looper, but he doesn't do that in Nab's Out or Star Wars. Okay. So I think he knows his shit is not 100% locked up tight. Yeah. It has yeah. plot holes. Um, because that line of dialogue is very clearly placed in a movie that's very easily terrapartable. Yeah. Um, but at yeah. face value, knives out is a fun. It's not a bad movie. I don't no, to, of course. I don't not. want to say it's bad. No, it's a good. I'm movie. I'm knocking hard on it. It's not bad. It's just not. I think it's. I think it's well, maybe a little overrated. And I think that maybe people get up their own ass about how good the writing is. When I like literally within the first half hour of the movie, hour, I was like. Other than thinking, my first thought was that the old guy was dead. I was like. This old guy should have just killed himself in front of anyone in the house. Yeah,
1: he should have like thrown himself off the balcony or something. Yeah, like, really like flamboyant, dramatic. It. Yeah, it's it's an, it's really g- good movie, but very very like if you pull one string out, like the whole tapestry kind of falls apart. Yeah. So, y- you mentioned Chris Nolan. What What's your opinion on like Chris Nolan endings
0: so I'm gonna say this is this is gonna sound really pompous. I'm gonna say this just as a piece of side trivia i was so I saw the prestige for my like twelfth birthday or something like that okay, I was a kid, and my mom took me to go see it, and it was me and my mom, and my brother and like halfway through the movie, um when Hugh Jackman starts like cloning himself, yeah. My brother leaned over and he was like, Do you think it's real magic? And I was like, No, I think he's cloning himself. (laughs) And I think these are all clones. And I think he's killing the clones. And I think it's like the flip of a coin. And that he's so fucking insane. Yeah. He is okay understanding that either he's that he will die within the next couple of days and that there is a clone that will take over. Like the moment he met David Bowie's character and saw like a cat in the woods. Yeah, I was like, he's, clon- he's cloning himself, and he's killing the clones. And I like figured out this whole... And I was like a kid, and it was the only movie I've ever done that where I guessed <laughs> literally every... Because I was like, I bet he's drowning himself, because that's how his wife died. I'm like, I'm, I'm 100% sure. It's the only movie I've ever been able to do that with in my life was The Prestige. And I know it's based on a book, but I didn't know yeah, that until- You must be very proud. I was so <laughs> happy because that's the movie everyone talks about, holy shit, endings. Is the prestige is always like one of the that's top crown that's
1: how that's how my aunt talks about Usual Suspects. Yeah, another She movie. claims yep. she claims that she figured it out. That spoiler alert. That Kevin Spacey was Kaiser. Kaiser Sose. Sose. She claims she figured it out. I think it's bullshit.
0: I don't think she she knew. Yeah, but she claims she figured it out. There is there is a there is a group of people that I believe are capable of figuring it out. And I'll tell you why. Because there is scenes in I think it's Brian Singer is the director of that mm-hmm. in the first like four minutes of that movie when they sit Kevin Spacey down and start interviewing him they purposely like zoom in on the things that he uses to make up the story that is the movie and I really honestly believe if you're I don't know you're on I mean she might be making that up <laughs> but there's a group of people that no. are out there no. That could like sit there and do that because he like shows you, and I think it's kind of like when you go back yeah. and rewatch um, anything, honestly. anything, yeah. yeah. But but like a whodunit kind of yeah. mystery movie, you're immediately like, oh, that's why they they zoomed in on the knife because mm-hmm. at the end of the thing. But that is a big. That is probably I will say that I would go as far to say honestly, even more than even more than Darth Vader being Luke's father. <laughs> I honestly think Kevin Spacey being Kyle's shows has the greatest twist. In all of cinema. We should talk about twist endings a little bit. Yeah, um, after Nolan.
1: Because yeah. we we kinda got off.
0: But yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Other than that, I think his endings to movies are are like ten out of ten. Like I don't yeah. think there's any the ba- fuck fuck everyone who didn't like the ending to The Dark Knight Rises. That was a perfect ending. Because <laughs> you can in- you can interpret it literally where he's alive, or you can interpret it as Alfred seeing what he wanted to see because he's had so much grief in his life. His employers have yeah, all that's- died. That's not a
1: very well-respected movie at all as Dark Knight Rises. No, also honestly. riddled with plot holes, but the ending oh, yeah. is solid gold. Oh, yeah, that, that movie has a shit ton of plot holes that I absolutely love. Oh, yeah. Like, my favorite plot hole is when Bane has that letter that oh, he's yeah. saying, you know, I'm the villain, and you shouldn't trust me, but I have this letter from Commissioner Gordon yep. talking about the Batman, so you're going to believe me, right? And they're all like, oh, yeah, let's believe him.
0: Like... Mine is mine is when they uh, drive motorcycles out of the Stock Exchange. I don't know if you've ever been to the New York Stock Exchange. I've walked by it a few times. There's no motorcycles in there. I'm 100% sure of it. I don't know how they got eight motorcycles inside the New York Stock Exchange, but they're in there. But what an amazing film. I, I yeah. love that film. That's a really fun film to watch but All, for all of them. Memento, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins, um, Prestige... Inception, Interstellar, all have really perfect I really, endings. I really enjoyed
1: I, I enjoy the movie Inception. I definitely I think this is just like as a film student. I think Inception's a little overrated as like his Magnum Opus greatest film. And that's probably just because I've most of my college career I've been surrounded by film students yeah and most of like film students who don't know what the fuck they're talking about will talk about Inception like it's the greatest movie of all time and that the common people can't understand it because it's so unearthly complex which it's not no it is so easy to understand and that's why it's so good because it's one of the Nolan films that's it breaks down its science very very thoroughly and very clearly and in such a way that it it helps the emotion the emotional like complexity of the characters kind of shine through kind of this weird wacky complex dream heist that they're all doing and that's what makes it a really great film is that it's kind of dumbed down for you mm-hmm. and i i think the ending is so perfectly c- cont- contemplative um it's it's one of his best endings, I believe. Yeah. Like, personally. Because um, the... My favorite film by Nolan's definitely Interstellar. It's not the best ending, though. No. Like, for sure. It's really... It was, like, trying to be what Inception was. And it didn't really do it. It didn't do it for me as much as, like, Inception did, where the... It might have been just because there was that voiceover at the end of Interstellar.
0: Yeah, of her being like, "To me, you died years ago. I didn't need you to come back."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then she goes on, and is like, "Oh, go find the girl." And but we we see this all happening, so we really didn't need her.
0: Yeah, the like, only two movies I've ever felt that way about were the ending to Interstellar, where I felt that, where I was like, which by the way, as a quick aside, is the only other movie other than Inception that I hear from film students as a favorite movie is Inception or Interstellar. And I was like, I guess, I'm like you. I'm like you. Gotta watch another country's movie. Yeah, like, it's, I'm like, like it's, watch like a French movie or a Japanese. I'm like you will. You will. <laughs> it's it's. There are really incredible though. Yeah, and here here I am saying that Interstellar is my favorite movie. Which is totally <laughs> like, which is totally acceptable. My favorite movie is Lost Horizon from like 1934 or something <laughs> like that. It's not. It's there's from Frank. There's there's no shame in saying what your fa- the best movie is. A long conversation we will have eventually. Oh, yeah. There's a difference between your favorite movie and your best movie. Any movie can be your favorite movie. But, I think Interst- uh, Interstellar has that ending where I knew, to her, like, it's self-aware. Yeah. To her, she had died when he left. So, there was no reason for him to come back. And it needed he needed to realize that. He kind of did once he saw her on the bed. He was like, she has her family. To me, I've been dead for yeah. know, 50, 60 years. And The Great Gatsby does that too, where it where they speak, and words literally appear on the screen as if written from a notebook. That's the truth. I, is I'm penniless. Yeah, thing. but it does it throughout the entire film. Yeah. And to me, it's really condescending because it makes me think the audience, the thinks the audience is too dumb to realize. Yeah, that. and I think that the that scene in Interstellar was
1: a good scene. Like, up until she started going on about like going to find Brandt and I think she could have been she could have just said just go and then it could have been like music visuals that's the end I think that would have been a much more powerful ending and that that's what I'm saying is that's how Inception ends yeah where you know it's kind of like you know the like the Blade Runner ending where it's like is he in a dream or is he not but it doesn't matter because he's happy yeah and also He's not in a dream because Michael Kane's character is there. And it's already been established that whenever he's awake, Michael yeah. Caine's character is there. So sorry, Christopher Nolan, your ending isn't that, isn't, isn't did, that did groundbreaking. Did you ever see the,
0: uh, the wedding <laughs> ring theory for years now that's been going around? I never... What's the wedding ring theory? You've... N- all right. As a, we'll go through this very briefly because like, so I not talking a lot of <laughs> the time. Is. There's like a 45-minute video... From some kid who's seen Interstellar like frame by frame every time. In Interstellar? Uh, I'm sorry, no. In inception. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. I
1: thought we were talking about how these movies are connected for a minute. No, no, no.
0: The the top that he uses to determine, that's not his totem. They say it from the very beginning. It's his, wife. that's his it's wife's small, totem. Yeah. His, it's something only you know. What's the thing he keeps playing with the entire movie? The wedding and he ring. spins around three times, his wedding ring. So the wedding ring is the totem, and he's not wearing it whenever he's in the dreams. And there's so much more. This kid goes on for <laughs> 45 minutes.
1: Okay, guys. Next next episode of Nubs. You heard it here first. The wedding ring episode. It's Our three-hour special of <laughs> us talking about
0: the wedding ring theory of inception. I'm not doing that. It's so good. <laughs> no, no. Because it's obvious. It's very obvious that... I'll tell you why. One... It's obvious that he is awake because, as you pointed out, Michael Caine is is there. Yeah. Two, uh, this kid like establishes, and Christopher Nolan like tweeted at him and like confirmed it. Like, congrats, you figured out what my thing was. Congratulations. Three, uh, certain international cuts of this film had a post-credit scene of the top falling over. So he was awake. Yeah. There's there's I I don't even know what countries. But when it came out, there was a big thing. Is he awake or not? And there was all these fan theories before this kid just totally blew the door open. We got cut off again. We're back. Oh, I touched your foot with my foot. And I didn't like We're that. We're playing footsie. Man. We're playing footsie. Yeah. Don't put that in. Um, yeah, there was an international cut where the, the where the top falls over. Yeah. Um, so he he is awake. There is more than enough ample evidence that he is awake at the end of the film. It's, it's just so... I mean, I even if he's awake or not, like even if you know he's awake,
1: it's such a good ending. Yeah. To me, um, I don't know. He's he's Nolan's so good at like taking these like complex stories and injecting like emotion into them. Um, I mean, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about endings, but we were talking about the twist, right? Yeah. We were the gonna twist. talk about the twist. So I don't know. The twist for me is something that was like was a really great way to end something. I think it's become like a little saturated now, mm-hmm. like in modern in modern day cinema, because now it's almost like ever since I mean Elephant in the Room, ever since M Night Shyamalan got his greasy little paws on twist endings. Yeah. Now it's like every movie.
0: Which that because he is the king. He's it's the undisputed king of the Sixth Sense. Sixth
1: Sense was fucking amazing. Yes. Okay. I did. I got it spoiled to me before I watched it, and that sucked. Yeah. Um, I had it spoiled for me, too, actually. I know. And, and Gladiator. The by, the, by The Office. That show, The Office. Oh. Because there's an episode. <laughs> yeah. Where Dwight fucking spoils it. And I was like, shit. And, but at, at first. I thought he meant the kid was dead all along, Mm. and I I thought he meant that that's why the kid could see dead people. Because he was dead. Because he was dead, and the psychologist was just able to see him, but then my mom was like, no, the psychologist was...
0: I guess, spoiler alert for the sixth sense. I'm gonna, you know what, if it's over 10 years old, here's gonna be the new rule. If it's over 10 years old, you don't get a spoiler alert. That's true. And if it is... I usually say one, but I'm going to say two. If it is two seasons of a TV show behind, I'm not going to say spoiler alert. All right. I will say spoiler alert for the show and that's it. But if it's like The Walking Dead from season eight or past, you had 11 years to watch it. Let's be Dead honest, is on though. You. The Walking Dead after season like three does not matter at all. Now, see, I disagree. I'm going through. I'm go- I went through the whole thing again. Okay, I, 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 just, I don't like that show. Seasons one <laughs> to three, solid gold. Season uh, six, seven, solid gold, and season ten, solid gold. Everything else, really? Do. Yeah, there is a, there is more bad than good with that whole franchise. But I think at this point, honestly, honestly, going through season ten, just not like literally, like right before you got here, I, th- I think it's worth it to sit through the bad because okay. it, the okay. good is the good oh, is shit. worth it.
1: But, yeah, the twist ending definitely was, like, capitalized on by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. And I think he definitely inspired a lot of shit. Good, good twist endings, bad twist endings. And I think it's become a thing where it's, like, almost expected now in some movies. In some yeah. movies that are set up in this way. Like in Knives Out, where the, the twist is that... You know, he switched it, and then she switched it back. Yeah. And then that was the whole thing. Um, it's almost... It's, like, very saturated now, and very, like... It's its very... It's interesting that... Now that's become, like, so commonplace, that almost not having a twist is, like, a twist in itself. Yeah. Just because... And not every movie. Like, yeah. not for sure that happens a lot in horror i've noticed now twist endings like saw you know yeah. saw 2 mm-hmm. where the big thing was at the twist ending which is honestly was not a bad twist ending the saw movies are criminally underrated true they're good movies yeah um very complex but yeah the the twist that um that the whole time they were too late and they were like fucked from the start cuz everyone had already died
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that they show cuz it looks like it's concurrent yeah, and it on.
1: looks like it's happening at the same yeah. time, but it isn't. And that's a, I think that's a really masterfully done twist. And it, it, it does happen a lot, especially in horror movies. I, Of course, now that I'm talking about it, I can't think of any other examples.
0: I think a lot of horror movies inherently have... Twists. Twists, just because of that we talked about. Um, it's talked about a lot if you go to film school, is the the other being like the, yeah. the literal... The, the, you know, Jason, Michael Myers, Chucky, any slasher film or any, any horror film that has a final girl, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, they all, the villain always appears to be alive in the end because they're, they represent evil morals. So like Michael Myers literally kills everyone that doesn't fit into Reagan era, like propaganda morality. Yeah. So I think the twist ending in those is, is not supposed to be a twist. I think it's more of an homage To that, you know, the monster has to exist because evil always exists. It's it's almost like twist
1: endings ever since Shyamalan have been almost like taken very seriously Mm -hmm. to a fault, to where you know, like I wouldn't call Darth Vader being Luke's father like a twist ending. Mm -hmm. It's definitely like a revelation. It, but like, I feel like if Star Wars was made now. After M. Night Shyamalan, if that was was a plot point now, that would be one of the main, like, focuses in the movie, is that Vader's Luke's father. And in in the old ones, it's really, it's simply a big moment, but it's not that big where the whole ending and the whole plot is structured around that. Yeah. You know, I feel like nowadays it, it would be because a lot of films are structured around... The fact that there's a twist at the end. Yeah. And then it just became super, super complex even for Shyamalan's films. And most of his films I'm not a fan of. Like, I saw The Village.
0: Did, did you see The Village? Uh, yeah, I've seen... On, for the better or worse, I've seen his entire filmography. Okay.
1: I did not like The Village. I, I really didn't like it that much. hmm I don't know it because it it seemed like one of those movies where like the twist was forced on it almost, yeah. and where that's that's the main point of it, and we're to the point where like the twist was almost like, what what the hell is even going on because that was not even mentioned, because the twist what the twist was they were part of like a commune that was set up
0: yeah it was like two thousand six the whole time and yeah. the movie you think is like like years ago like seventeen fifty but it's it's just kind of thrown at you like it's it's just kind of i was fine with the twist ending i was not okay. fine that it was the elders that like one of the one of the elders like kids dies in like a car accident okay and so yeah. they're all millionaires and so they just buy this plot of land and like set up a new village and they're like like psycho mormons almost where they're yeah. like we'll never accept new technology um I would have been, I honestly, it's kind of a cheap ending, but I thought it went way better Feels it was like a government experiment yeah, or something 100%. like that because having like these millionaires just buy a plot of land and know it the whole time, um, makes no sense. Why would you like, like if my best friend's kid was killed in a car accident and he was like, I have $180 million, I'm going to buy a plot of land, come live with me. I'd be like, N- I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's fucking nonsense. Yeah. And I don't know why
1: you would do that. And then, like, I saw a fucking lady in the water.
0: That's a shit movie. That's a shit movie. Yeah. Had so much potential. His gra- did you see his gr- the greatest twist ending of all time? Did you see the Avatar: The Last Airbender film? I refuse, honestly. The great th- that has a twist ending in that he was able to make Avatar: The Ass Last Airbender <laughs> not good. Sort of Freudian slip there. Yep, Avatar: The, the ass, ass Airbender. Airbender. <laughs> the ass Airbender. That's the type of bending I would do. Ass bending. <laughs> I, uh yeah, I don't, uh I th- I think he has a lot of good movies, because I like uh, Glass, I was okay on, but even that, like, um Unbreakable. Unbreakable, yeah. Has a great twist ending. It's good, yeah, it's really good. Split has an incredible twist ending. Still haven't seen that, I need to see it. Can I, did, I, did you just see Glass? I did not see Glass. Are you fin- I, I Are you- knew
1: that Glass was a sequel to Split and Unbreakable? I'll
0: tell you right now. Unbreakable came out. Yeah. Huge movie. Colossal. I remember... I'm almost 30 now. I'm old enough to remember when, when that came out. It was a big deal. And then he came out with The Sixth Sense and shit shut down. People were like, this guy's fucking incredible. Was So was Unbreakable before The yeah. Sixth Sense? Oh, I, I, believe, I, I believe so. I might be wrong about that, but I'm like 90... But they came out very close to each other. Okay. And... um this guy was like the hottest fucking name. I oh, was a yeah. kid, and yeah. people were like, and my shame was my guy. Then The Village came out. No, Signs came out. Signs. Signs, oh, was, yeah. signs was huge, too. Then The Village. Then Lady in the Water. Then he started this decline. You know, we got Devil. Yeah. It's almost like it went to his head. Yeah. You know? And he just kept... He made After Earth. And then he made The Visit. Did he? He actually made After Earth? Yep. After Earth was... it? They refused. The company said they would make it, but they refused to put his name in the market. Okay, so... I might be is After Earth the
1: denied Do sit
0: down yep is that yeah okay. yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's a Scientologist propaganda film okay because secretly Will Smith is a Scientologist <laughs> he is seriously that's like a that's like a whole thing that whole movie is a Scientologist propaganda movie Jesus Christ anyways um, and I think M. Night Shyamalan just needed the money honestly but because I don't think he's a Scientologist but maybe he is I don't fucking know him but who fucking knows the who knows who cares I thought honestly I didn't think that movie was that bad but anyways I digress Um, Then he came out with The Visit, and he kind of got his groove back a little. That had an incredible twist ending. Did you see that? No. I never even heard of the The Visit. The Visit was his comeback movie, like 2012, 2014. People were like, this is a solid horror movie with an actual, like, genuinely incredible twist ending. Okay. And people were like, M. Night Shyamalan's back. Then he made Split. And I'll tell you right now, I will never forget, sitting down in the movie theater... My stepdad called me, and he said, you have to go see Split. And I was like, okay. And I went and saw Split. about a two-hour movie. First hour and 50 minutes go by. Not very remarkable. Yeah. It's just a a standard psycho thriller. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't bad. I, I liked that movie. But then it goes into this cafe, and it zooms in on some guy in a security shirt. And then it pulls back, and it's Bruce Willis. Yeah. And then they're like, there's some guy, the guy from Split, and they're like, this guy is fucking roaming around. He's a psychopath. Somebody's got to stop this guy. This guy's fucking crazy. And Bruce Willis like puts on a security cap, and he's like, I'm, I'm on the job. And I was like, holy shit, this was a sequel to Unbreakable the whole time. Yeah. And I about shit my pants in the theater, because <laughs> for years we have been hearing that he was going to write a comic book sequel to Unbreakable. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And he made, the twist ending to Split is that it is the sequel to Unbreakable. And I was like, holy shit. And then he made Glass and it was a terrible ending to the trilogy. But Unbreakable and Split are like, honestly, probably two of the top ten greatest superhero movies of all time. Really? Unbreakable is seriously up there with like The Dark Knight.
1: Unbreakable is really good.
0: I really enjoyed Unbreakable. It's so good.
1: It's I, so good. The I, the one thing I I always heard about Split, and this I mean I I do at one point want to get around to seeing it. The one thing is that I heard it was very. It's one of those horror movies or like thriller movies that's not very like. Oh, what's the word? It's not very delicate about like mental health issues. If you know what I'm saying? Because, like, the villain is, like, a dude with DID, like, multiple personality. And then isn't, like, one of the things, like, he's got personalities that know about these secret personalities. Yeah,
0: but it's so cartoony. I don't, it's not, it's not like, um, again, I can't think of the name of the movie now. All I can think of is Million Dollar Baby, but it's for a different thought. Um. Yeah, there's another movie that deals with mental health that's not um, very delicate about it. But that's, like, an actual movie that's, like, a true story. You can remember, it's going drive me insane now. But Split, it's so... Cart- it's honest. Honestly, it would be, like, if, like, the Joker... That's what I'm thinking. I was going to say the Joker and Superman had, like, a <laughs> uh, couple's council. Like, it wouldn't make no <laughs> sense. The Joker. Jesus Christ, that was driving me insane. People it's were it. like, this doesn't... Do- the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Where yeah. Like, this doesn't deal very delicately with um, It really doesn't. Mental I mean, health. honestly. And I was like, I don't think this guy has mental health. This guy is just pure evil. And yeah. I have bipolar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've course. never been... Aff- I'm not offended literally by anything. Okay. So I'll say that as a disclosure. Nothing really offends me. But, like, I've seen, like, movies be like, the villain was bipolar or something like that. And I'm like... I'm not like upset by it or anything like that, or I'm not like put off or whatever. I'm just like, nah, eh, whatever. I'm like, eh. it doesn't. It doesn't suck that like your like mental
1: health problem is being used as like a gimmick almost. It's no. being like demonized. No, that's I don't care never, about that at all. Okay.
0: No, because that's that's that's, and I'll tell you, this goes into a whole different conversation. At some point in someone's life, at some point in your life, in everyone's life, you've said something that will have upset someone else. Yeah. And I at that point I'm like honestly I'm like I don't really I'm like you you I'm not here to throw stones at anybody, <clears throat> and I always remember that. So I'm like ah I'm not, what are you gonna do? And no I don't think if somebody's gonna use it as a gimmick I'm like at least it, at least if you're gonna use it use it good. But I don't um, like suicide awareness is really important to me. And in a show that I watch there well in Better Call Saul there's an episode where someone commits suicide, and it really kind of upset me for about a day where I was like. You shouldn't use suicide as, like, your writing tool. Like, that really affects a lot of yeah, people. It affects me a lot my That life. was a big problem with that 13 Reasons Why show. Yeah. I never saw that. That show is designed to trigger people that have yeah. really bad suicidal tendencies. Yeah. But, um, you know what? Uh, mm-hmm. Then don't watch it. Like, honest, Like, there's I a suppose, disclaimer no. at the beginning that's like, this will trigger you. Then just, then just don't watch it. Well, not, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess, didn't watch 13 Reasons Why. I, yeah. I read the book, but I didn't see the show for that exact reason. I sp- I sp- that's, like, why trigger warnings exist. Yeah, and exactly. And it's why it like tells that. you in the beginning of a show if there's, like, violence or something like that or, being yeah. like, you know, insult or whatever. But, um, no, I, I don't, uh, that stuff doesn't affect me and I didn't think the Joker, I, it's like, like, the Halloween movies with Michael Myers where, like, he yeah. has a mental disorder. I'm like, he's not, he's a mental, he's just an evil, he's just pure evil. Okay. His name is literally the other in the credits of the film. Um... And that's kind of how I felt about the Joker when people were like throwing hissy fit. They're like, the Joker is, doesn't deal with mental illness well. I'm like, he's not. What did you think he was gonna get better? Did you think the Joker movie would end with him being a sound minded body and teaming up with Batman? Yeah, is and that honestly, what you
1: thought? it just. I I pers- I mean I I, it, I didn't hate the Joker movie when I saw it. I just it's not a very good movie. In my opinion, I mean, no, I, don't I, know, I don't know what you think. It's, I thought it was a
0: fine movie. I didn't think it was a good Joker movie. It was no, a remake no. of Taxi is what it was.
1: Yeah, it, it just a taxi driver. It seemed though. like it was just called. It was just called Joker to get people to watch it. Yep. Almost. Yeah. And there, there are a lot of like issues with it that are like you know real issues and just some things I know because people are always talking about how it deals with mental health. Like, have you noticed how many, like, what's it with the Joker and he kills so many people of color? Like, have you noticed that in that movie? Like, almost all of his kills are people of color. Mm. And that's, I just felt like that should have been like a bigger problem. I don't, than He kills three white bankers. No, he kills the girl, right? That he thought he was infatuated with. And no, he she doesn't like, kill
0: her. She's alive. I thought he killed her. No, she's alive. But then, then there's the... Zazie Beats. She's, she's signed on for the sequel. She's what there. What the fuck? Yeah, Zazie There's Zazie the psychi- There's a
1: psychiatrist.
0: Um, and then the other psychiatrist. The psychiatrist at the beginning um, is alive at the end of the film. So I, I think he that's just one psychiatrist that he kills.
1: Okay, okay, maybe I'm mistaken. He kills, th- felt- he kills
0: three white bankers in the train, and then he kills his friend in his apartment, the big fat guy, who's also a white guy.
1: If, oh, okay.
0: And I don't think he kills anyone else And oh, he kills his mom, who's a white lady. Spoiler alert for the Joker, by the way. That's not ten years old. But if you honestly you should have just seen the Joker. So he kills I can think of five people he kills, every one of whom's a white person. Okay.
1: I don't maybe I wasn't paying attention. It just seemed like that was a
0: thing that just kept happening and it was in, really
1: weird that it kept happening. In Taxi
0: Driver, which that movie is a remake of, Travis kills Many people of color kills a lot of white people too, but he kills many people of color. That movie has weird racial overtones. Yeah, um, and it which is a thing Marnie Chris says he does a lot. I think on purpose. I think he does that to kind of illustrate. That's, cause that's, that's what I was thinking. Is it like is he is it the director trying to send a message or is it just? Like I think Todd Phillips s- had so a lot of messages he wanted to send, and I don't think any of them were subtle. If he wanted to put in a, a racial, th- I think it would have been okay. Very uh, the the whole class warfare thing and that I was like all right it's a bit much I get it he kills bankers I get it maybe he's not the villain we all think he is and then at the end of the movie he is anyways because you shouldn't shouldn't kill people that's not how you
1: yeah it's just such a it's a mess of a movie that's trying to be so many things yeah and
0: yeah I I don't know I don't know where I I got that from I guess. There are movies that have that. I agree with yeah. you. I think your point I, is very Sullivan, I think. That did Alright, I'm going to... Mm, Alright, I'm going to spoil Godzilla vs. Kong a little bit. Oh, we're going back to Godzilla versus just, Kong. Just for your point here. In Godzilla vs. Kong... In Godzilla... Or I'm sorry, in Kong Skull Island. Did you see this? Kong Skull Island? I did not. He's on Skull Island. There's a bunch of indigenous people there. In Godzilla versus Kong, God King Kong is literally put in chains and placed on a boat and brought to... Basically, help the Americans, okay, it's a very obvious metaphor for slavery,
1: yeah, well, that's what King Kong
0: kind of is, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, this is like a very um, obvious what like literally he is in chains on a boat, which is what happens in King Kong too, and they put it on display and everything in that film, but in Godzilla versus Kong, um, they destroy all the indigenous people. And they're like, uh, Kong has to leave Skull Island anyways because the island is being destroyed by this hurricane and it killed the indigenous people. It's in the first five minutes of the movie. And I was like, why did you kill all the indigenous... Like, they were the far and away one of the coolest parts yeah. of Kong Skull Island. And it seemed super weird to me. And in a movie that takes place in Hong Kong, Florida, the center of the earth, Skull Island... Which is a Peloponnesian island, and well they may have moved it for the legendary films. I don't know where it is now, but um, there's like four or five other small places that they're in. There's, I don't know, probably fifty characters with speaking lines. There's probably eight main characters, I would say. Okay. Um, one character. There's a black tech guy for the for some company. He's a main character at the beginning, and then his role is given up almost immediately Okay. uh, to Bobby Millie Brown. And then Lance Reddick, who's a huge actor, has like one line in the movie, and that's it. And Lance Reddick is like an award-winning actor, and he has like a line in the movie. And I'm like, this movie takes place all over the world. You have the villain is a, um, he is, I think he's literally from Mexico, so you have a Mexican villain... And then the two people, the two black people, um, have small, menial... I was like, where are the Chinese actors? The movie takes place in Hong Kong. Yeah. In the third act, and a lot of other portions. Where are the other Latino actors? Where are the... Like, it's a global film. Like, Pacific Rim had actors from all over the world because they take place on a global... It's a global story. Yeah, for sure. So I think your point is very solid. That, like, there's a lot of, especially American films, that I'm like...
1: Yeah, and I I, I apologize Where, for making those assumptions about Joker. I didn't.
0: No, it's fine. The yeah. movie has a lot of issues. It's it also a fine movie. I mean, it's worth a watch. It's just not the like greatest movie of all time. It's no. not even a. It's it's not even the best movie that came out that month because no. I f- I want to say Frozen Two came out around that time. Frozen Two is a better movie than The Joker. Fight me. Shit, well, that's a controversial statement right there. Is it? It's, the Joker is a remake of two other better... It's if you, I'm telling you right now, if you watch Taxi Driver or The King of Comedy, you have seen The Joker. Okay. Literal lines are lifted from those movies. And Martin Scorsese was originally supposed to direct The Joker and ended up being an executive producer and a script doctor for it, which is why it's a remake of his own yeah, movies. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah,
1: look, we were talking about endings. We were talking about twist endings. Yeah. Did you have any more
0: that you wanted to mention? Like would, bad
1: endings, good endings? I have about a
0: thousand, but I'm going to I'm going to point out one and it's the it's I'm going to bring back to my favorite movie of all time which is Lost Horizon by Frank Capra. So uh, uh, based on a book. So these guys get on a plane. They fly through you know, the mountains, they're trying to get out of China. There's, like, a protest in Hong Kong or something. They crash in the Himalayas. They land in Shangri-La. Everyone there lives forever. They're all, there's peace. It's this idyllic society. Movie ends um, where the main guy is supposed to take over. And because there's, like, this white priest who's, like, the leader of Shangri-La, and he's passing away. Time moves slower for these people. Okay. Like, like, milliseconds for every year. And eventually this guy is so old that he's just passed away. So the main guy is supposed to take over. He finds a girlfriend in Shangri-La. Him and his brother are like, we got to get the fuck out of Dodge. These people are insane. They're not, but they think they are. So they leave. His girlfriend like turns to dust the second she leaves Shangri-La because time catches up with her. His brother like gets lost. It's been about two years since I've seen it. Um, our, pro- our professor actually, I rented it to him and now we can't find it. Um, I loaned it to him and I was gone forever. Uh... He leaves, he goes back to England, he tells a bunch of people his story, and then he's like, I'm going back to Shangri-La. It's this idyllic society, I'm supposed to be the leader, I gotta go back. And he goes back, and then the film is just all these like gentlemen in England talking about if Robert ever found his Robert Conway ever found his way back to Shangri-La. Did he find his way to the Lost Horizon? And you never really know. And it kinda eludes some of the cuts now with some lost footage show. Um, him finding the like cave to get back into Shangri-La in the Himalayan mountains. So it's alluded to that he gets back there. Uh, my whole point to this is that an ending doesn't need to be happy. Yeah. It doesn't need to be controversial. It doesn't need to be good. It doesn't need to be bad. An ending simply has to be satisfying in the sense that it completes the story. Batman Begins ends with Batman beginning. The Dark Knight <laughs> Rises ending with... Batman ending and someone taking the mantle. It is time for him to sunset himself. Yeah. Um, Prestige ends with him... He was never supposed to find his happiness. But someone else could. Maybe not... he He always thought, because he was a clone, he had the same flaw. Maybe not me, but maybe a different me could find happiness in this world. I think he was trying to find a version of himself... That would accept the loss of his wife. Because that's clearly what his whole problem was. Especially him drowning himself. A movie simply has to be satisfying. Not happy or a twist ending or controversial or something like that. It simply has to be... I think... Satisfying.
1: Yeah, and I think... If I'm not going off too much... There's an interesting deconstruction of that... In Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. In that movie where... She has... The author has this pressure... To make the ending bad. Yep. To kill this character. And that's like... Because the the fan of hers reads it and is like, this is the greatest story of all time that she's written. You have to die because it's so great. But she ends it differently. Yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at is that it's still satisfying. But it's, it's not like... Because... The guy's like, "Oh, you know it's okay, it's not great anymore because of that ending but it it's all it's a movie about endings and it's a movie about changing your mind about an ending and it's still being really good mm-hmm. because it it might not be a good book ending, but it was a good movie ending, yeah, right so it's that's a really good example of like meta fiction and like meta cinema and meta yeah and fiction is
0: a great deconstruction of right
1: man yeah, for sure for sure. And so I think that's what you're kind of talking about is that endings don't have to be like, as long as an ending's satisfying, it's a good ending. Which is
0: going to bring me into my point. Hopefully this won't take too terribly long. I mean I don't I don't really care how long it takes. An ending. Let's talk about just just if I might get on my soapbox, and I know I've done it a lot, but let me just get on my soapbox here. I'm gonna explain something to people, and I'm gonna explain it to him. Not because taste is subjective, because it is. And yeah, not for because sure. everyone gets to have their own opinion in this world. You have something like The Shining. Yeah. Book ending or movie ending, both I think are thematically satisfying. They fit into the film. We talked a lot about Promising Young Woman, Prestige, uh, M. Night Shyamalan films. Some of them th- thematically fit. Some of them, are like Promising Young Woman, take a hard right turn and don't exactly fit into the overall message they were trying to illustrate. Maybe they're still a little satisfying, but they didn't fit thematically. They didn't fit in perfect. They didn't fit in where they belonged. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've finished this program. I think you have finished this program. We even talked a little bit of the Walking Dead sucking, and I think there are many episodes of the Walking Dead that could have been a perfect yeah, ending to the show.
1: Granted, I I, I I didn't watch past season three. Then there's
0: there's a there's a scene in like season eight or something, or no, actually season six, where they go into this new area. The entire episode. Rick is like, I don't want to go inside. And everyone is like, dude, we have to go inside. He's like, I'm the leader. And they're like, look, if you don't want to go inside, we don't have to. And he's like, I will go inside if I hear children laughing. Then I know it's not a trap. And the episode ends with him opening the doors. There's a bright white light. You never see who's inside it. But you hear children laughing in the last moment. And you're like, okay, they're at a safe zone. That would have been a perfect ending to The Walking Dead. But it's been going on way too long. But my point is, all of this is leading up to me explaining something. Much like, this will be controversial, much like The Last Jedi not being outside of lore or canon. Game of Thrones... Oh, here we go. ...does not have a bad ending. Oh, okay. It has a thematically fitting ending. Holy fuck. Because Peter Dinklage's character Tyrion said this from the very first episode. If you think this show has a happy ending, you have not been paying attention Maybe the maybe the Night's Watch okay. didn't need to continue to exist. Maybe Jon Snow didn't need to go be on the wall. Maybe Arya didn't have to be Azor High. Maybe all that bullshit didn't have to exist. But let me fucking say something here. Not one thing in that ending was D.B. White for David Benioff's fault. That was given on a bullet point sheet by George R.R. Martin. So that's the ending to the book series. In case anyone thought that, that's you can just Google that shit. They gave them that. They stopped writing because they had their own ending to the show that was a hundred times better that was going to fit perfectly thematically and it was going to result in a lot of death and a lot of intrigue and was way better. And George R. R. Martin basically forced them to write his ending. So that that is the ending that he wanted. It is not their fault. And honestly, if I worked on a show for eight years and somebody forced me to write a different ending to my show, I'd be like, fuck you too. I would so that's the ending to his book series in case anyone's holding out for a better uh, really? ending.
1: Okay, I heard the ending was gonna be way different than the show.
0: Yeah, now he says he wants to change it, but he's struggling with it. So but here's
1: you I never I never watched Game of Thrones.
0: Okay. So
1: I I always kinda hated that show. That's fair. Probably just because I, I had read the first like four books by the time I'd started season one. And the thing with me is, if you tell me that I need to wait and watch until it gets better. Yep. That's such like a frustrating statement for me because it's like, why would I bother? I think it
0: shows the antithesis. I think it would yeah. be, it gets worse the more it goes on. Yeah, and I... I think it starts the strongest it is.
1: Because I saw season one and I was not, I didn't vibe with it. I, I didn't really like it, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Just coming off from the books, which the book... Have you read them? hmm They're so, like... They're so well-described to the point where, like... It was almost like watching a TV in your head. Yeah. Like, at the... like he's, It was
0: it is one of... It is genuinely
1: one of the best book series Yeah, of time. and he's so... It's not over He's so descriptive and so great. And just... Seeing it put on a screen... And, like... Hearing about all the plot points that are really, really cool in the books just get totally ruined. It it just it really discouraged me from watching the show at all. Mm-hmm. Cause I heard, I guess I didn't see it, so I don't know. I heard, cat, um, cat just dies right mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah, lady, lady um, Stoneheart is not in the show at all. Yeah, cause in the books. She comes back and she's badass. Yeah, she like, holds like, her vocal
0: cords together. She's and a taunt. fucking zombie and yeah. she
1: hangs Brianna of Tarth and like, yeah, she's just fucking shit up and that's awesome. And I was I was so upset when I heard that that wasn't in the show, and that there was so much like when you get to like season four and five that's just not, like the stuff with the Hound because mm-hmm. the Hound is like one of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, without a doubt. He's a great. He's like shitty. He's an awful person, but he's a great character. Yeah, it's like Deadpool. Yeah, like the Hound is like an amazingly written character, and I think in the books he like died so beautifully in the books. And I heard in the show that it it was worse. Was it worse in the show? His he, death. So did you? So you read all five books. I've, I'm on the fifth book. I've been okay. sitting on the fifth book for so long. All now. right, and I, I won't.
0: To- I won't say anything because it's, it goes into a little bit of spoiler in the books. But the show, I will spoil a little bit if you don't mind. No, uh, go go right I, ahead and spoil. I, the I, yeah, the the show. He he comes back, um, and then he dies in the the. Doesn't Brienne kill him? Second and last episode. No, he fights his brother in the Clegane Bowl. What the fuck? He fights his brother. So here's I so- thought Clegane died. No, he comes back as a zombie he comes back as a zombie. Is track. that in the
1: books too then? Yeah. Cuz I I feel like that's I'm not there. He, yet in the no,
0: first I think he came book. back in the third book. I think it was like a feast of crow he comes back. I thought he died in the third book.
1: It's been so long since I've read these books cuz I know the viper No, no, you're him. you're
0: right, you're right. It's actually end of book 4 actually that he comes back as a zombie. It's the very tail end of 4. Okay. I think it's like because uh, Clash of Kings is two, Feast of Crows, Dance of Dragons is the fifth one. Yep, Feast of Crows is four. Feast of Crows is four. Yeah, it's yep. the then it's the end of then it's the end of Feast of Crows. Anyways, so this is the end. I'm gonna pitch you the ending. I'm gonna tell you the ending. David Benioff and DB Weiss had. Okay, let's hear it. Because I think it's important we talk about endings. We talk about what is, and I will say this with with myself, with. Uh, our PhD carrying professor Brad and our PhD carrying professor Chris, um, our other professor Philippe, has not watched it yet, um, fortunately or unfortunately to to for him. Um, that that they think Game of Thrones is the greatest show of all time. I will think much like when we talk about movies. It is probably you know greatest versus you know versus favorite best yeah. for your favorite. Yeah, I think it probably is the grandest. And it is, without a doubt, the most important show of all time. Like, yeah. like bar none.
1: It definitely put, like,
0: the series on, on the map. And it, ended, series it ended a war in Ireland. It saved the economy of nine different countries. Jesus. It is one of the most watched shows of all time. I believe, other than maybe Breaking Bad, and I might be making this part up, it might be the highest um, Emmy Award winning show of all time. And it did, like, a multitude of other things. It actually helped boost our economy by, like, 2% for, like, a year or something like that. Okay. There's, um, our professor's working on a book about it right now. It's actually very, very interesting. Um, Game of Thrones is, without a doubt, the most important show of all time. Period. It, it is. It's literally saved lives. So, um, because it ended a war. So, because to those people, money was more important. Which I'm totally fine with, if that's what it took to end the thing. So the original ending was going to be the Wall Falls, White Walkers come across. Okay. They hold out at Winterfell. Cersei doesn't send forces. They hold out at Winterfell. They lose. Basically, every major character dies except for Daenerys, Jon, and uh, Jaime. Everyone else, like Sansa was supposed to die, Arya was supposed to die. All these people were supposed to die. They go to King's Landing with their remaining forces. Cersei won't let him in. She's like, "No, I'm no, fuck you guys." Jamie sneaks in, kills Cersei, Holy and then he shit. is then he's killed himself for killing the queen. Then it's going to be John Daenerys and like th- I think maybe like one or two other characters where I think Tyrion was actually alive too. And they're in uh King's Landing. They're trying to figure out how to end this thing. How do we stop the White Walkers? We lost. Everyone's dead. Bran Bronn Bran is like, the werewood tree is what gives, the, the children of the force are what gives magic to the world. Yeah. You have to end magic. He was created through magic. If you destroy all the magic, then there's no more magic. And then he can't, there's nothing tethering him to this reality. So Daenerys is like, all I have to do is destroy the last werewood tree. So she flies to Winterfell. The White Walkers are heading towards King's, King's, King's Landing. Lan- King's Landing. The king of the north, or the king of the north, the night king is like sitting by the werewolf tree because he knows what she's planning. Because he can see everything Bran sees. And he's like, I'll tell you what. You can burn the tree with your dragon because it requires dragon fire to destroy this tree. You can do that. But you'll end all the magic. Your dragons are going to die. And more importantly, Jon Snow was brought back to life through magic in the show. So Jon Snow will die. And she contemplates with it, and it's not a battle scene. There is no great battle scene in their ending. It was supposed to be this really intimate, introspective, and that's supposed to be the only time the Night King actually speaks. And then he's trying to convince, because he looks like the devil, he's trying to convince her to not burn down this tree, which is very similar to you know Eve and yeah, Satan yeah, the course, and everything. And it's <clears throat> the scripts are all available online. You can read them. They're incredible. And she eventually, because Azor Ahai Ahai has to make the sacrifice, kill the one they love the most. Yeah. And so she burns the tree. Her dragons die. Jon Snow dies. The White Walkers die. The Night King dies. They're rebuilding King's Landing with the help of um, the other country that Daenerys came from. So there's unity. War ends. They defeat the White Walkers, but she realizes she's had enough. She's like, I can't do this anymore. Bron- Bran, I believe, dies as well. Sounds like he would. So Tyrion takes over as king, temporary king. And then her, she's pregnant with Jon's kid, and she's like, when I give birth, oh, yeah, it'll be the one true king. Because he'll have Targaryen blood, pure He'll be kind of a. That's Snow. right, because he's a because
1: John's a Targaryen.
0: Yeah, and show, it's supposed to be yeah, and it's supposed to be this like really, like this is the only real king is this guy, and Tyrion is supposed to train him. Tyrion, the only truly moral character. Of course, yeah. Overall, obviously, he's very unmoral on a personal level, but oh, he teaches goodness yeah, for everyone. The, that's
1: kind of what the show is, is like yeah. there's no real like there's very morally grey
0: like everything is in shade of grey. Everything's morally grey, yeah, for sure. But you gotta pick the the lighter gray. Yeah. And that's what Tyrion teaches the kid. And that's this that's the ending that they had pitched. There were twelve episodes, I believe. They chopped it down to eight. And then George R. R. Martin rolled in with a fifteen page like bound with a rubber band booklet of bullet points. Not even in order, mind you, and literally like tossed it on their desk and was like, here you go. It was like in a package or something like that. And they opened it up and they were like, This is nonsense. Our thing is way better. Our thing is way better. And then the show ended the way it did. With it- just fucking nonsense.
1: So it's yeah, it's interesting because you could tell in that last season that they Really didn't care.
0: No, I think they wrote. I think they wrote eight episodes of fucking solid gold. I don't think you can see them online. They wrote solid gold. Yeah, and then George R. R. Martin was like, "This is the ending to the book series. Here you go, write it." And they were like, Fuck "This you, is yeah. tr- fucking trash." Be- but yeah, it is all my to the point of the endings. It thematically does fit. Not one part of that ending is not telegraphed from the very beginning of that story. Everything that happens, their ending is super. Which is my point. Their ending is very hopeful and bright. They're sacrificed, but people lived, and the world is together, and everything. Yeah, because I never, I never saw the
1: original ending. Doesn't Danny turn out to be like evil? Yeah, at the end. Yeah, she turns into Hitler. Yeah, like literally Hitler at like the Nuremberg rallies and stuff. And then I, I remember all the shit about like you could see like water bottles and coffee mugs and shit. Yeah. So. It's interesting that you say that cuz it's obvious maybe George Mart RR Martin brought this and they were like we have no reason to give a shit about yeah. like
0: this show anymore because it doesn't end with it there's still the wildlings go back north maybe they're still a threat maybe they're not there's the unsullied army maybe they're still a threat maybe they're not the people in that other country that Danny came from maybe maybe they're a threat maybe they're what the fuck happened to her? Her whole she conquered an entire continent bigger than Westeros was. All of the people she left behind, the the all of that is completely like the whole world is in complete disarray. It's honestly probably worse off than it was at the beginning. Yeah, and that is thematically what this show is. Yeah, because their ending is so hopeful and bright and wonderful and colorful, and and yeah, there's a lot of death, but there is a true king who's going to be taught morality, and maybe he can start a better bloodline, or a better world too. Yeah, but the ending that we got is very gray.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and that's kind of what the show is.
0: It's very. I'm like when I, when people complain about the show, I'm again yeah, maybe the ending isn't what we wanted. Maybe it could have been a little better in areas. Maybe there could have maybe they could have gave a little bit more of a shit and not had like, yeah, Starbucks coffee cups. <laughs> but at no point, like in the show, Jamie dies with Cersei, and people were really mad because they like they telegraphed for an entire season, season seven, that Jamie was going to kill Cersei. And in the end, he breaks in and he looks like he's gonna kill her, but then they hold each other and they die. And I'm like and people were very upset about that. And I'm like, at what fucking point in the last decade did you think Anything else was ever going to happen. They started a war over this. Yeah. Why would he... Like, maybe he was conflicted. He was never going to kill her. That was never going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Daenerys was fucking insane from the beginning. And people were like, she turned too quickly, though. I'm like, turned too quickly? She killed her own brother in, like, the fourth episode. I'm like, "What? She? none of this should have been a surprise. So I think endings are important. But I think the way people take them are infinitely more important. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that the
1: ending of Game of Thrones pretty much destroyed
0: the whole like subculture around yeah. it. Yeah. Like 100%. destroyed the
1: fandom. No one talks about it anymore.
0: Yeah. The, those <laughs> those they have three spin-off shows right now. One of them is done taping their first season. Those are fucking dead on arrival. No one is going to watch yeah. House Targaryen TV show. No one is going to watch that. Because no one cares anymore. No one gives a shit anymore.
1: Yeah, and I never gave a shit about the show from the start. Yeah, the books are sublime. The we'll books not, are amazing. They'll never finish
0: them. I'm sorry, George is not going to make it that long. But oh, I really hope he does, though. I hope he's got. I hope he's a ghost writer somewhere that's like like waiting for the call that has like better bullet points <laughs> to like take over in case he passes away. Well, it's just you know because it it happened with Tolkien and.
1: And his son. Yeah. Right? And then he yeah, it Chris got it
0: got worse. I
1: mean, obviously, because it's yeah. fucking J.R.R. Tolkien. You cannot... He's, like, the most amazing writer of, like, the last century. So...
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a very apropos statement. Yeah, when he passed away, his son Chris took over, and Lord of the Rings... I don't... I wouldn't think Lord of the Rings got worse. Um... It didn't really lost like it's but it lost its heart yeah, yeah for it sure. Lost, it lost that light. it lost
1: something and it that always happens it's like it's like when an actor dies in the middle of filming a, yeah. a movie because you know you got Heath Ledger with the imaginary move
0: doctor Parnassus did you ever yeah. see that I think I did when it came out which it's I think I honestly I, I don't <laughs> for the I don't drink I think the uh, first time I ever drank in my life I got really drunk on a beach with my friend. I think we went back to his cabin and watched it. And I remember thinking... What a movie to watch um, while you're drunk. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh my god, this is incredible. And then I tried watching it like the next morning and I was like, nope, not even one part of this. Yeah. Because it was in development hell
1: because someone died and they honestly should have just stopped making it. Yeah. When
0: he died because it ruined it. That's How do you feel about... Do you, do you like the Rocky series? I've never seen them, actually. Like, unfortunately, I've so never seen So, they just them. announced today Rocky will not be, Sylvester Stallone will not be in Creed 3, which leads me to believe that he won't, his character will have passed away, which is what I've always said should happen because the Creed 1, Creed 2, Creed does not win. Rocky wins through Creed. Creed can't do anything without Rocky. Um, so, he should pass away and that will be a true victory for Creed. And then they should stop making Rocky movies now. Um, it's been so long. Rocky, all the Rocky movies are really good. Even five, I actually think five is really good too. There's parts of that movie that are great, but um, I always tell Ash, literally at least at least five times a day, I will yell at Ashley, "I didn't hear no motherfucking bell," which is something he says at the end of the movie. I didn't hear no bell, Tommy. Um, but there's uh, the Ryan Coogler's Black Panther two. They're trying to figure out who's going to play exactly, Black yeah. Panther. And they're leaning towards, ironically, Michael B. Jordan. Um, I didn't even put that together till literally just now. Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger character, they're trying to figure out how to bring back and have him be the Black Panther. Because the chick who played Shuri um, is an anti-vaxxer. And apparently is being written out of the story because she's very prolific and pronounced in her... Beliefs of being in that vaccines give you autism, so apparently Jesus. she's being written on of the story. But she was she was slated to be Black Panther in the sequels. A black uh, woman was slated to be the lead character in a Marvel film, and then she torpedoed that with the thought that uh, polio oh. vaccine would give your child autism. But how do you feel about them recasting something iconic like that with like Michael B. Jordan, or even let's say it was supposed to be sure? It's but-
1: interesting. It's interesting when
0: it's a superhero movie,
1: right? Because So many times, superheroes have been recast. Mm -hmm. Like Batman.
0: There's been like nine
1: Batmans. There's been like, yeah, there's been so many Batmans. There's been so many Jokers. So I think it it makes sense that that would happen. I mean, I guess it's a little more of like a complex sort of scenario when you have like a guy who died Mm -hmm. who was playing Black, Black Panther. So it's almost, it would be weird to replace him. For sure. And there's, like, a show coming out, isn't there? There's, like, a Bukanda show. Yeah. So that... It's, like, a... It's a very gray area. And it, and it, it does... It happens a lot with... Um, with just superheroes in general. Because it happened in the first Iron Man. The guy who played um, Rory, War Machine. Yeah. Is different than the dude... That, yeah. Than they got Don Cheadle to play War Machine. But he didn't die. No. So... No, he wanted War Machine. And then in... in
0: and then Heath Ledger with Joker, like, was he supposed to be in Dark
1: Knight Rises? Was like- he was,
0: uh, there was supposed to be there they taped a scene where, you know when Bane lets everyone out of the jail. That he's there. He's suppo- Bane was supposed to walk in and go to the cell where the Joker was in and close those doors and be like, everyone gets out but him. This guy stays in. And that was supposed to be the only Joker scene in that Yeah. Movie. It's so- in the novel, but it's not in the, uh, in the novelization of the film. It's not in the actual film itself. They taped it, so there, that scene exists somewhere.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, let me let me ask it a different way. Would you prefer, with Black Panther, would you prefer they recast Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther character or the way they're pers- pursuing it now with Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger character taking over, like replace the character with another character or literally just recast the character?
1: I don't, I don't think they should recast. I'm going to be honest. I, I think it, it, it's a lot more delicate
0: situation than, than a recast. You like, think with the hundreds of Marvel characters, it's probably better they just pick another one? Yeah. Me yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. That's how I feel. Yeah.
1: It, it's interesting that he chose Killmonger, though, because, I mean, he's evil, right? Like That was know, the big thing with that likes movie, though. He killing people.
0: That was the big thing with him it was that he was right <laughs> in the entire time, was that Killmonger character was was correct. Yeah, but I think the problem with Killmonger is that he, he used that to just start killing people. At least in the
1: comics, he kind of does. He just
0: yeah, he's... I he kind of did it in the movie. You are right, but also like Batman kills people in like Batman versus Superman and shit like that. So never saw Batman v
1: Superman. He
0: kills people in that movie like pretty viciously. Like like there's he like takes one dude with his like batarang and like wraps it around his neck and throws him against the wall and his head like busts open on the wall and there's a blood stain. He kills people in the um 89 uh, Batman too. Really, with... the Tim Burton one? Yeah. I forget what the scene is, but he killed. I literally just watched um, some an, uh, analysis of that film because I'm going through all the Superman movies again, and then I'm gonna watch all the um, Batman movies in in just to get just because I'm a nerd. And uh, yeah, so I just watched an analysis where this guy was like, he kills people, in the Indian had Batman. He's like, clearly, like clearly, he's killing people, and I was like, huh. Yeah, that's interesting. And I yeah,
1: I remember. Cause it's such a big thing that he doesn't use guns and he doesn't kill people. Um, I remember watching the Schneider cut, and he's just you know, bl- I guess it's it makes more sense because they're aliens, but it it didn't really feel right. Oh he was, yeah, like, blowing the shit out of these aliens and like shooting them with like a Gatling gun and shit. That's
0: so. Just without going into a whole thing, because that's going to be a whole other conversation. We need like a Schneider Cut episode, yeah, honestly. That should be our next step. Did you like <laughs> this Schneider Cut? I did. I enjoyed it. It's so good. It's, it's good. So like- good. Oh my god, dude. I freaking love, I fucking love comic book movies yeah, um, this- that are done if they take themselves seriously. Like, honestly, I don't think any Marvel movie does other than maybe Endgame. Infinity War
1: is kind of where it starts, but I do agree most of the first like Avengers movies I would say are comedies more than anything. Yeah, else. Yeah,
0: they take they take this it's a writing thing called bathos where you undercut a very serious moment with a joke. Sitcoms do it all the time. It's like yeah. the whole shtick. Um, DC movies don't do that, and like Watchmen doesn't do that. Well, that's DC, but like like a comic book movie that takes itself seriously in its premise. Yeah, I really like. Because it has the ability to show you a metaphor. Like Superman is clearly Christ. Is like obviously Christ. Yeah. You, and if you know. if you don't if you don't add a joke in and you make that a serious movie, you add a level of like religious morality and like questioning to it that is better than if you told a child a story about the Bible, they're gonna be like, Fuck the Bible, that's nonsense and they're not gonna <laughs> like it. But if you told them <laughs> a story about Superman, using Superman as a metaphor for Christ, you're going to teach a level of morality to a child that they're going to understand way better. And I think that's important that people do that, because movies teach lessons that people are clearly losing. It's true. It's true. And so a comic book movie takes itself seriously. I'm like, you have a golden opportunity to teach a real message here, and I love that shit. Yeah, we're, yeah fuck's sake. We're going to need like
1: a whole episode for the Schneider cut, though. That... That was a lot. That was like I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it, like it isn't my favorite thing of all time. My favorite comic book movie, like no, but no. it's it's definitely one of those things where I went in with low expectations and came out f- thinking better of like the DC universe as a whole. Yeah, because I'd always kind of like dismiss the DC movies. I was I loved the comics, like ever ever since I read Watchmen. I've loved the DC comics. Oh yeah, and I I I'd always just heard the movies were like shit, but like after seeing the Snyder cut, like I, I think I might be paying more attention, and if, and Birds of Prey too. I really enjoyed Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey is solid gold. It's fucking great. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: Ah, yeah. We should have a D de- the next episode if you're open. To- we can do it later if you want. I, I'm open to the next one being a DC. I was I was gonna ask what you wanted to do next because we've
1: got a few. We got like three right yeah. that we're planning because we have, which I'm excited about. We got the the big D and D one. Oh yeah, we where have we to talk about we talk about Curse of Strahd, which is like the whole episode would be. I have something very special planned for
0: that as well. Which I really I don't know when you want to do that, but I'm hoping it's soon. Yeah, we can do that as, uh, we'll wait. I'm doing a campaign right now, and I want to tr- try and dive into it after that. So I want to do it concurrent with me doing a campaign. Okay. With a Curse of Stroud campaign, because okay. my girlfriend's never done Curse of Stroud. Ooh shit! Uh, you should.
1: I I, I'll, I I have some supplements that I can send you for that. that if you want to be fun. in on it,
0: she's never. We don't have. We don't have a
1: group that we, we yeah. play yeah. with for sure. I but I've played it. That's fine. So I know like everything. You can DM if you want. I don't care. I would be fine with that too. And and we have so now we have Schneider cut. There was another one too, right? There was another one we wanted to do.
0: Or am I Am I just... There's definitely a few of them we talked about off, off air. There, well, I want to take a whole episode because we haven't touched it no. at all. For your script. I want to talk about your script. Just Oh shit, that's right. Like, <laughs> your, like your whole script, I want to <laughs> sit... Because my girlfriend's reading it right now and I want to talk about your whole script top to bottom. Okay. In it, because I have so many thoughts and I want her to... I want to, if you're comfortable with her, sit down. Yeah, for sure. Because she has different thoughts than I have, almost entirely. And, oh, I remembered...
1: Um, I forgot the word for it. Adaptions. That oh, yeah. You yeah, wanted yeah. to talk about, like, I think you said not video games? Yeah,
0: adaptions of anything that's not a video game. It's not a video game. Which we'll, we'll game. talk about Knives Out, I'm sure, when we get to Clue, because there's a Clue movie, but also Knives Out is a better Clue movie than Clue is. But Clue yep. is a better movie overall than Knives Out is. It's a very twisted It's circle. very
1: complicated. The yeah. world of film... It's is... a
0: Venn diagram, <laughs> but it's 3D, and you have to look at it in a mirror.
1: I think it'd be interesting to like maybe touch on video games a little a little bit. That's also, yeah, a whole conversation yeah. is video game adaptation. You can talk about how fucked up it is in like the industry cuz yeah. you've got like fucking Uwe Boll who's making these rant videos about Robert Downey Jr. and how shitty Robert Downey Jr. is for so he fucking hates Robert Downey Jr. You know. with a passion. You got Paul W.S. Anderson who's like
0: very 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 hit or miss. Like yeah I, yeah, I actually just loaned... I won't talk about it at all. I just loaned my stepdad, uh, Monster Hunter, and I told him that it was uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but it was also one of the most fun times I've ever had watching a movie. What
1: what we should talk about, too, is, like, Michael Bay's Transformers. Oh, yeah. As an adaption.
0: Because like, that's a comic book adaption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watchmen, obvious, obviously Watchmen has to be brought up. Watchmen. Ooh, man, yeah, yeah. But that's that's all for a different yeah for a that's different for episode a diff- so. for future
1: so do you want to should we wrap it up right now
0: yeah do you got any other other major
1: thoughts or? on endings I think we covered a shit ton and we went on a fuck ton of this is like this is gonna be like an hour and a half long episode at least an, at least an hour and forty
0: minutes almost two hours so we yeah. have a lot to talk about but
1: no I don't have anything else to talk about if you're
0: no, I just wanted to, like I said, just when I talked about Game of Thrones, I wanted to be like an ending. Doesn't have to be good or bad. It doesn't have to. You don't have to like it or not like it. It has to thematically be satisfying with everything that preceded it. That is the only requirement to make a satisfying ending. Is it has to be satisfying. Which yeah, and there's
1: we should definitely talk about like fan anti service. Yes, like subverting we, your expectations. We said a lot of controversial things that. Like, Star Wars community, sorry. We probably need an episode on, like, Star Wars. I'll tell Wars. you right now,
0: I'm one of the... And I have a hundred people that can back me up. I. If you think you're a bigger Star Wars fan than me, you come, you call me, you contact me, you find me. <laughs> this is
1: Dar- this is his number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if you can find me, I will sit down live with you <laughs> on anything... I'll sit down on a Periscope if that's still a thing people use... And I will debate you on who's the bigger Star Wars fan. <laughs> I've read there's there are hundreds, literally probably a thousand Star Wars books. I'm fucking here to tell you, I read every single one of them. Jesus it's, Christ, it's literally all I do. If I'm not deep in like research on like a script or something, I am reading a Star Wars book. Fuck, let's get all of them. Let's just get John Favreau on this show. Honestly, I would crush John let's Favreau. Get, get, let's get let's get let's get Dave Filoni. On. Dave Filoni, I have a deep respect for, just like I do Ryan Johnson, because Ryan Johnson has shit in that movie that I'm like, oh, this is a reference to this book from this year in this story, and I'm like, little shit. And whenever the holdo maneuver when people were giving him grief or, or fuel, where they're like, fuel's never been a thing, I'm like, you're fucking wrong. I'm happy to. Have- I'm <laughs> happy to list thirty books that have fuel in it. All right,
1: but that, that's. Completely for a different episode where yes. we crush every Star Wars fan's dreams. I will destroy your life. Alright, we're going to destroy your... If you're a Star Wars fan, watch out. Because we're coming... We're out for blood.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I, that, but also, let's be real. The Last Jedi is probably the worst Star Wars movie. Outside of the rest of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say it. It is probably the second worst Star it Wars is, movie. It's true. It, the the worst Star Wars is still better than 99% of everything else in the rest of your life, though. <laughs> the worst Star Wars thing to ever happen to anyone is one of the best things that will ever happen to you.
1: It's true. It's true. But
0: we can definitely deconstruct yeah. that when yeah. we get there. But
1: I think we should definitely wrap up now. It's I'm yeah. looking at the... The timestamp, but it's we're at an hour.
0: We're at an hour, and we had at least stuff. two other twenty minute <laughs> we minutes. Like, yeah, where we got cut but off. Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate in case anyone ever says anything about me saying Last Jedi is not that bad. That is my uh, credentials. But also, you can hate it. I mean, that's your cho- that's your choice. And we'll, n- taste is subjective. Yeah, and we'll taste is subjective. We're gonna say this again
1: when we talk about the Last Jedi again, and when we talk about Star Wars as a whole again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for now, I think I think that's good. I think we should. That's it. Next That's week. Next cool. week. Who
0: knows what we'll do? It's a surprise. It's a surprise to even even us. But um, I don't know. Let me ask you actually before we before we leave, I have something to ask you. Okay. Ha- would you consider other people not not like um, like immediate people? Not not this one, but like other people, like film students. How would you feel about them coming here? No one has said anything yet, but I thought it would not be a terrible idea. Yeah, I feel okay about it. I mean,
1: it, it'd be interesting, definitely, to get other people's opinions,
0: for sure. Because there's people I have, like my, I have, I have a lot of uh, eclectic friends from overseas that have thoughts about their cinema, yeah, versus our cinema. That yeah, I think, and I would think be helpful. yeah, we should we should have like an international
1: cinema like episode,
0: honestly. Because I, I know at least eight people that are from different, like wholly different hemispheres that are like, I have the best, my friend's from Belgium, my one of my best friends from Belgium, and he's like, oh, we have the best cinema in the world. <laughs> and now I have a friend from France who thinks he is the best cinema in the world, and I have a friend from Honduras who is like, we don't really have a cinema, <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm just happy to be here. So,
1: so, uh, so you, you want to come here and start like a turf war? Like almost. No, I just think
0: it, I just think because you have some. I mean, we have other friends that are that are in film that that, that yeah, might think, have different opinions. Yeah, I think opinions. we should. I think definitely that that'd be cool. Get somebody who has a really controversial thought. Something somebody that that like, is like super duper passionate about something you and I just vehemently disagree about. That'd be interesting. Yeah. that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I think that could definitely work.
1: But yeah, I think for now let's. Let's call that a wrap.
0: Alright, let's call it.